Symposium with Ash Orlack. podcast with kids from the symposium really happy to be joined by Lawrence and Arjun um as it's the international break we've got something different today we're gonna instead of be talking about you know reviewing games and stuff we're gonna have a couple of uh broader discussions on pods about the game um and this pod today will be concerned with generally media around football always uh, quite a hot topic quite a hotly contested topic it's subject to a lot of media headlines around large sums of money but um yeah, we'll be exploring kind of TV and print and maybe going into kind of podcast game. And maybe maybe at the end we'll we'll talk about maybe the future of, of media and football. Uh, but yeah, first, Arjun, how are you? Um, yeah, not bad. I'm looking forward to doing these sort of general pods. I listened to quite a good one recently um, from Guardian Football Weekly about gambling and football. I thought that was particularly interesting. And I find myself, when I listen to podcasts, more drawn to sort of general conversations about aspects of football rather than mere sort of analysis of games which I can find a bit sort of I wouldn't say patronizing but also just sort of simplistic and perhaps um like conversations for the sake of there being conversations thank you for criticizing most of our content <laughs> Lawrence, how are you I'm great I'm great I I really love how we're just going to pretend that the international break doesn't exist and no football is played we, we'll just talk about other stuff uh, Listen, if, if you know, if, no, no, no football that's worth watching is played. Let's say that. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, I think it's good to have a chat about this because um, it's always something that's reasonably contested, and um, it's worth worth touching on it um, in a way that we actually did earlier on in the year before the season started. Again, we had broader discussions, and I thought that was quite enjoyable. So it's quite nice to bring it back. And in the future, it is an idea of mine to. Um, maybe do some history-based football pods and stuff, which I think we'll all be into. You know, echoing our inner Jonathan Wilson is always a good thing to do. But yeah, let, let's first discuss um, TV. Arjun, take us through some of your views then on, on on some of you know highlights, how highlights are at least in England and and uh, punditry on TV these days because it's changed a lot. Yeah, I mean, in terms of football coverage in this country, it's very broad, right? Like we have a lots of choice. We have Sky, BT, uh, BBC all provide live coverage of football games. Um, I personally think that the sort of coverage behind the paywall, so to speak, um, Sky and BT is better because of the fact that they have a sort of broader um, selection of pundits to choose from. Um, in terms of the BBC themselves, um, they're quite limited in what they're able to show. Um, they don't have the rights to a certain amount of, um, for a lot of football. They're, for the Premier League, they release the highlights only. Um, they showed, I think, two or three live games, um, which was um, a rarity the first time it happened for about 30 years. Um, but certainly they're, they're, they're limited to highlights only. When it comes to international football, they obviously, I think the Euros and the World Cup fall into like the golden category of stuff that has to be shown on um, domestic television, much like the Olympics and Wimbledon, for example. Um, but yeah, they're certainly more restricted. What we do have from the BBC is very good. Maps a Day is good. Like It's a, it's a British institution. Um, I I mean, personally... do, do we need do we need match of the day given mm. the um, advent of those three minute highlights on YouTube? Yeah, when you have um, you know Sky sort of showing all the goals as they happen like within an hour of the games being finished, yeah, certainly there's a conversation to be had whether match of the day is redundant. But I think because of the fact that it's like an institution now, people 
go-to match of the day for watching the analysis from pundits like Alan Turing and Ian Wright. I mean, okay, they're not excellent pundits. You can certainly get better analysis out there, but it's more just the occasion of watching, yeah. gathering around the television at half 10 or so on a Saturday evening to watch it, that I think won't die out. Obviously, Gary Lineker himself is a big draw because he's such a big sort of national treasure that you know people like following him for his for his views on the game. And I mean, yeah, the analysis is interesting, but if you compare it to BT and BBC, uh, BT and Sky, especially like Monday Night Football with the likes of Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, the analysis there is much better, much more in-depth. They're allowed more time. Um, the, the benefit of live television is that they can sort of go off on their own um, you know, tangents and whatever. And I think that sort of coverage is more interesting to watch. Lawrence, um, what do you make it? Well, the for consumers uh, these days is, especially with the advent of pay-per-view, um, is it worth paying money to to watch coverage on Sky Sports and BT BT Sport as opposed to just watching the highlights on YouTube? And um, the issue that I have with Sky and BT is that often they will get famous names in football, people like Joe Cole and Michael Owen. They'll come on quite often to give their views. Um, and what ends up happening is that they clip these tiny little um un, not re- un, I don't want to say unsubstantiated but very shallow analysis of a club or a player's performance so how often do we see on YouTube Paul Scholes delivers passionate rant on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and then you watch it and it's just Paul Scholes going criticizing the players in a very ge- generic and and generic way and um whilst as a youngster I, I wasn't able to discern maybe the difference between um you know, as in see that there isn't much substance behind the analysis. As I've grown up, I found myself more drawn towards other mediums of consuming football analysis. I mean, I mean, uh, I think I like podcasts. Yeah, I mean, we'll go to podcasts, and I think they serve an important purpose. But just devil's advocate, it. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think you could argue on the other side that um, the average football watcher doesn't want the in-depth analysis you'll get from a specialist podcast. You have to seek out. They like like all broadcast media. It's kind of made for everyone, um, and you get a lot of quite a lot of casual fans that watch games. Um, maybe that's less of the case than it was in the past, given how expensive football is these days. But I think that's certainly uh, an important point that the, the kind of person that will listen to the football ramble or you can't podcast with kids will definitely <laughs> be like. Well, no, no. Honestly, it would it just I think the point stands will definitely be someone who is a far more niche and detailed interest in the game that they they take extra time out their day game itself themselves to learn about the game than but, but, someone who just tunes into tv i mean but i, I think also think I was, that you okay. yeah, I, I, was say, but I also think you have sort of uh, denominate like tiers of pundits right so you have the pundits that appeal to like the lowest common denominator i'm talking about the likes of robbie savage chris sutton rio ferdinand <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just sort of spout out cliches and and clickbait, um, you know, like voice voice vox pops, I think they're called, where not much is said of substance and they're just there for sort of clicks and views. Whereas you get the more sort of um, interesting pundits. I, I personally think um, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher are quite good pundits. They can definitely go more in depth. They appreciate the game. Um, and yeah, they're certainly more interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, you have like, you know, pundits, I'm sure Lawrence can go, go into de- details on them, like who just aren't very interesting across all sorts, all forms of media. 
Yeah, to, to expand on what I was saying, you know, I think yeah, this advent of, I was saying before, Lawrence. of professional, like recently retired footballers going into um, like TV broadcasting is quite a new phenomenon because, in in my opinion, the success of Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, Monday Night Football, which started, what, 2013, 2014, has led to most broadcasters, I think, now thinking, let's not get your Mark Lawrence's. Let's get names that, you know hypothetically you should be able to understand the game and should be able to um you give an insight into um dressing rooms club culture etc um but honestly i don't think that that has really uh manifested itself in good punditry um so so just to kind of yeah. contextualize and bring the discussion back so is our issue um just you know the, the quality of discussion being had on tv as you know, you saying that the quality of analysis and the quality of discussion that's being had is just poor. Uh, because obviously that's a very different point to the one we were making five minutes ago about, um, you know, access and the point of TV and match of the day. And I just don't want to complete the two things. So I think I think it's important to um, I think I think you're right, actually, Lawrence, about the quality of analysis we're getting on TV. Um, and I think it's disappointing. Especially when you actually look back and people like Alan Hansen in like in the early two thousands and nineties actually offering actually quite quite a lot of decent analysis on on ordinary terrestrial TV, um, and for all their faults, you know Alan Smith and sorry um, Richard Keys etc. on Sky um, used to offer perhaps more interesting um, before before obviously their their rightful dismissal um, a lot of interesting analysis at least from what I remember. Um, why do you think? decline if such a thing exists Arjun? I think there's sort of a, a desire to um, put good TV ahead of good analysis so if you watch say uh, any sort of Sunday um, you know game on like on, on Super Sunday and you have the likes of Graham Sooness, Roy Keane, Micah Richards going tete-a-tete um, clashing about something or another usually about like Pogba and Dombele or something like that 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 does make for quite interesting TV from like a just a neutral sort of standpoint. That if they're arguing and you know Roy Keane is good television um, because he's such an interesting sort of character. Well, not charismatic, but just sort of ice cold figure that it makes interesting television. Right, watching him sort of melt down or get annoyed at someone else. <laughs> That's interesting. But is it good analysis? Most of the time, no. It's just sort of arguments for the sake of there being arguments. I remember a, a few weeks ago um, at the point of recording. So when Man United lost six one against Spurs. Uh, Patrice Evans sort of melt, had a meltdown, right? And it just went on for about 20 minutes too long. And it just wasn't, it, it was entertaining, it was riveting, but it just wasn't very good analysis. He was just sort of moaning about the state of his club. Yeah. And I think the Sky producers just sort of let it happen because they wanted to see how far he would take it. But like, that wasn't yeah. good, good television. I mean, Whereas <laughs> if you're tuning into Monday Night Football, right? And you're watching um, Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville breaking down That's what I was going to say. That's aspect of the game with, you know they have they've had they've had Mauricio Pochettino on there recently. They have Roberto Martinez. They have interesting coaches, uh, tacticians, um, uh, pre you know retired players who can offer a, a sort of cut above in terms of tactical insight. That's more interesting, and I think that that sort of aspect of football coverage is good. Um, the you know match of the day, um, I wouldn't call I wouldn't say Shearer and Ian Wright and the other staples of match of the day are as good as um, Hanson and Lawrenson. Um, maybe that's sort of tinted by nostalgia, but also they are they do I, I feel like Shearer has improved in recent years 
Mm. Um, I don't think it's as bad as I used to sort of rip in, into for being. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, Lawrence, how do we reconcile these two different things? So on the one side, we've got, you know, you can say on on Sky, etc., or BBC, even they've they've got, you know, classic punching out for good TV. But then at the other time, at the same time, we've got Monday Night Football, which is a bastion of good kind of tactical analysis. Um, how are those two things happening at the same time? Yeah, well, it's interesting that we've made this distinction. I, I think there are, obviously, in football coverage, there are many sort of different parts of it, right? You have your commentators, your co-commentators, <clears throat> giving you live coverage of the match. That post-match analysis that we often talk about with with your Jose Mourinho, Roy Keane, Sunes in the studio. And then beyond that, you have Mark, you know, a, a sort of an elongated analysis session with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher in Monday Night Football and and all of these three different parts of the coverage perform different roles um the the very big advantage of MNF which I'd say has manif- well has is similar to the success of YouTube channels and podcasts um doing deep analysis is that they have time to go through every single minute detail that needs covering Whereas if you look at that post-match analysis, you have like 15 minutes and then, you know, the, the producers want to get your your 20-minute rant of ever or like your five-minute YouTube video of them a- attacking Podber. There's no analysis to be had when they're just trying to get clickbaity titles over and over again with clickbaity names. Um, so I think that what we're talking about is the, the two separate areas of media coverage yeah. in football, really. I mean, I, I approach this because I, as you both know, consume a lot of American sports, whether it's NFL or the NBA. And I watch a lot of, you know, Fox Sports in America and a lot of ESPN America coverage. And they've got that. The b- biggest effect of American coverage I've seen, at least in the last two years on Britain, is that debate show that they had on Sky, that football debate. Because that that's very similar to the shows like Undisputed with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp on Fox Sports or First Take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman on ESPN, where they just basically shout at each other. It's very good TV. There's very little going on that's probably good sports analysis, but it achieves very good ratings because it's just good to watch and it's quite partisan and it's funny and it's like watching two people kind of, at least I, I perceive it to be two people at um, kind of at a bar arguing. Um, all of those hosts individually have their own podcast, interestingly enough, which offer actual, actually good sports analysis. Like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman both have podcasts where they offer genuine, deeper discussion points and have callers in, which is, you know, an interesting point that we'll get on later. Lawrence touched on about, about podcasts perhaps offering something different. But but um, on their own, in terms of the debate shows, they don't offer much in terms of tactical analysis and they're there for TV. And I think that's a strong import that we've had. Um, and on the other side, I think, in terms of going back to the issue Arjun was discussing before, before I bring Arjun in, about the accessibility of, of actual live sports, uh, ex- you know, separate from the analysis, the availability of actually being able to watch live sports, the experience there is just so much better. The Both NFL and NBA, their biggest games are all on what you would call the terrestrial channels, whether it's, um, you know, ABC for a- NBA or, or NBC, CBS and ESPN for NFL. Um, and you don't, have to, you don't have to pay anything extra, yeah. And and um, they they genuinely have good tactical analysis in games, um, I, I, and it's something that I think is lacking here. And they also fundamentally have something called red zone, where basically you can just go on a channel and 
uh, during one of the slots where there are like five or six NFL games happening, you can watch touchdowns as they happen in all the games, and Red Zone will just take you to whichever team is in a goal score, a touchdown scoring position. And we don't have that here for three o'clock kickoffs because of our, well, at least in normal times, non-COVID times, because of our rules around match attendance. Um, that's a lot there, Arjun, but yeah, I'll bring you in because I know that you also watch the NBA. Yeah, I was. I just wanted to raise a point about like the fact that perhaps too much coverage of football in, in this country in terms of like round the clock sort of programs being put out. So even before the games, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, you had the likes of Football Focus, Match of the Day Extra, um, Match of the Day 2 Extra, Soccer AM. Like it's just like literally from like 10 o'clock in the morning to whatever time the evening uh, games finish in this country. Like there's so much. You know, for the 3 three p.m. games, you have Gillette Soccer Saturday, which, you know, I'm sure all of us have watched uh, at some point or the other. Um, and to be fair, they now do show like the Championship League 1 and League 2 goals going in as they happen, um, which which I think has made it slightly more interesting. But even that show sort of regressed because they sat, um, I think rightfully so, they sat a few pundits for being sort of having sort of outdated prehistoric views like Matt Letissier, um had Tom, some dodgy... Sorry? They, yeah, was it Tomo Letissier and Charlie Nicholas? Wasn't yeah, it? I think I think two of those were a bit unfair and I don't really know what happened, but I think Letissier was... was going on some outdated rants on social media but but, um you know we just have sort of yeah constant shows around the clock and i i don't know i feel like the the fact that we have so many has sort of diluted the quality of it um you know they they have to get pundits to fill the indie slots they just get whoever whoever's there having said that you know they have there have been some new pundits that i think aren't that bad i think Micah Richards um, doesn't offer like that much in terms of like tactical analysis but he as i said earlier he's good television he provides he yeah he he makes the he makes the the show fun like whatever yeah, show he's on. Um, Alex Scott has been has you know recently like um been like quite uh, uh, prevalent in in its coverage. He's quite good, I think. Joe Cole isn't that bad, but he's quite limited in his knowledge about like a few clubs. Like but when, when he's talking when he's on about Chelsea and West Ham, he's generally very good at like explaining sort of like what makes each player tick. Uh, and then yeah, then you have the likes of, like Patrice Ever who just but isn't that good. Just- to it's get into this further, you're talking about kind of, you know, which which pundits are good and bad. So can you give an example of a really, really good pundit and what makes them really good so we, so everyone's kind of clear on how you're judging uh, people? Um, yeah, this is interesting. So I think that the best pundits aren't necessarily the, the ex-players. So I I think, sorry to touch on like podcasts, but I listen to um, the Guardian Football Weekly and the Totally Football Show quite a lot, like whenever they come out. And I think that the best pundits there... the are the ones that are journalists themselves. So, for example, the likes of Rafa Honigstein, James Horn, Carson Julian Leron, um, who normally are on like the BT Goal Show, for example, and they work they work for like BT Sport or and they write for the Athletic and they, they don't forget my boy Jonathan, Jonathan Liu. He's really good. Jonathan Liu, yeah, Jonathan Wilson, Nikki Nikki Bandini. These are all excellent journalists who are also very good pundits. Or sort of, you know, or, 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 or whenever they're on the radio, they're excellent as well. I, I, I mean, I can't really think of pundits, like ex-players who are generally excellent pundits, like out, out, at least out Tim, the main two ones. Tim Cahill <laughs> is the newest boy on the scene. I, I think he's not too bad. Um, Lauren, what, what do, you, do you agree with Arjun about, about this just a journalist-player distinction? And if, if it is true, why do you know of the cause for it? Why? Well, I, yeah, I have a few thoughts on this. Before I, before I touch on that question... Um, you expect players to do, to do well considering their game experience, you know? Well, e- yes and no. I think um, 
Okay, yeah, I'll answer the question first. I'll move on to what I was going to say about co-commentators later. Um, I think that the advantage of journalists is that uh, they can give insights into the game that ex-players just can't. Like, um, when Paul Scholes tells us, oh, there must be like complete unrest at the club, at United, or whatever, like, you just take it with a pinch of salt because he's basically speculating. But when a journalist says it... he when where a journalist's role is to get close to people at the club and and get the latest news you really you know um you really sort of pay attention to it and like that that's what made Fabrizio Romano for example such a popular person over the transfer window um these are journalists are meant to be in the know that's their job and that's what makes them so um compelling so that's why I think generally journalists and also because journalists are writers right they're, they're used to doing analysis week on week the the way that they say things what they're saying it's going to be more compelling and um but yeah what i was going to say about co-commentators i think if we're sort of pivoting towards podcasts i'll just get this in um people bt sport loves doing this they love having like a, a recognized commentator and then they have a co-commentator who's the next player like they do that with jermaine genus they do it with mcmanaman um, and I think me and Arj, Arjun Smiley, Rana, we hate those commentators because they speak in nothing but cliches. And I think we as an audience, as I mentioned earlier, we have to pay money. Well, we should be paying money to be watching BT Sport and Sky Sports. We should be demanding more than just Owen Hargreaves going, um, yeah, no, this guy's this guy's controlling the, the pitch. Oh, he's just taking the game by the scruff of his neck. I mean, it's just ridiculous, honestly. Um, and I think that's, and because you can't, you can avoid the post-match analysis, right? But you can't really avo- avoid the commentating unless you you actively kind of turn it off. Um, we need to expect more from our from our you know uh, footballing presenters. Can I can offer just this devil's advocate before you continue? Yeah, before you continue. So on the other side, you could say, well, they can give insights about the way the game is played. You know, individual like tackles, if that's a penalty or not the mentality of players, dressing room dynamics that journalists simply can't, you know, they're there. The rationale for them being there is basically, as an ex-player, is that basically they've had the experience of being where the players are now and so can offer insights into um, mental and physical side of the game that journalists and others who haven't played the game simply can't. Um, I think that's the rationale for them being on co- both on commentary and, and in punditry. Um, what do you make of that kind of argument? Because that is the reason why they're why they're in commentary, and I think Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher do a reasonably good job of it. To be fair, to them. yeah. As I was saying, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher are the the OGs, if you want to put it that way. Those they are the model for which um, people, other TV stations, hire ex players. They they think they can offer the same insights as they can. But I really challenge that notion that journalists know nothing about the dressing room, know nothing about the mental and physical side of the game. These are people who have breathed football their entire life. It's not it's not like they just don't understand the game. They they're meant they're the people writing in the newspapers about it. And I think that just because you played in the game for what 15, 20 years doesn't mean you have an accurate insight into what players are like today. Or like or like dressing room atmospheres. And I and I don't think that I think it's really a fallacy to say that it's like a domain which only players can 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 dominate. Um, as as you quite rightly said, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, great pundits, but not everyone is a Jamie Carragher or Gary Neville. We get your Jermaine Genuses, if I'm going to yeah. pick on him. Yeah, I mean, before being Arjun, we can say that 
Although I agree with you to some extent, I, I, do, I do think, though, you know, someone like Thierry Henry, let's say he's, he's punishing a big game, like he can give you indications on, you know, mentality and way to approach a big game, having played in them. It just personally, in my belief, that, that someone who hasn't played, like me or like a journalist, just, just wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do, at least in certain, certain ways. Although I acknowledge, obviously, I'm not saying at all that the journalists, you know, don't know anything about the game or that they can't offer a lot of insights from being around it for so long. Arjun? I mean, when I tune into a game and I see Robbie Savage, Martin Keown, Jermaine Genus, Glenn Hoddle, <laughs> Owen Hargreaves and co-commentators, I'm just like, you know, I, my enthusiasm for the game diminishes a lot. Like, for me, a key part of the game that I'm watching, whether it be my own team or just a, a game I'm watching as a neutral, is the commentary. It's the experience of you know, who, seeing who's bringing the game to life, as it were. And when I just hear th- those sort of commentators or even this actual, uh, sorry, co-commentators, or even this actual commentators like um, Darren Fletcher like, or Fletch. Martin Tyler, my enthusiasm diminishes Fletch. so much. I, no, I hate... Martin Tyler's all right. Martin Tyler's all right. I mean, I mean, I could talk about how he sort of mu- very much lost his enthusiasm, it seems, every time he commentates now. He seems like so soporific and tired. But, you know, I just don't, I just don't enjoy them. I think the best commentators are the ones like, who you perhaps aren't household names, but you'll definitely recognise their voices, if that makes sense, like Ian Dark, um, Dave Farrar, uh, Paul Dempsey. The, 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 the classic one is um, Peter Drury, who, you know, is, is definitely famous, but he doesn't perhaps get the sort of biggest What's gigs, if you like. The guy who did the commentary with Ali McCoyst at the World Cup. Old G- he's a proper Jim Beglin, old... yeah. No, not Beglin. Um, Be- Beglin is an ex-player. Um, who did the in commentary... My... Commentator did the commentary with Ali McCoyst in the World Cup. It was really good. Hmm. I think John, that might have been Peter Drury, perhaps. John Champion? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, John Champion. He's yeah. really good. He's a proper OG. And he, I enjoy his commentary a lot. Yeah. Clive Tilsley as well, excellent commentator. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, these. I just feel like Sky and BT are like gravitating towards just getting as many sort of ex, like famous players in. Whereas, in fact, I watch, you know, if you just watch any random game that BT is showing from like the Bundesliga or League 1, you probably recognize their voices, but you may not know their names. And I find, in a weird way, those are the, the, those are the more like, be- the, those are the better commentators and co commentators. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. adding to what Arjun is saying, it's like just because you played at the highest level of the game and understand the game doesn't mean that in a broadcasting context, you're able to deliver that to the people because the people that you're describing Arjun those not household names they're probably have been commentators their entire life they've probably been in media there most of their lives and and because of that we'll be able to deliver a more attractive package to and a more understandable package to their listeners and viewers um I don't think with the greatest of respect that Joe Cole is the most articulate of the fellas in in football media and just because he understands and he's been he's played in Champions League finals, does not make him a fantastic uh, pundit. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the same thing with like coaches as well. Just because you're a world-class player, you're not necessarily uh, going to be a world-class manager and vice versa, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, also, I just wanted to touch on like coverage of like leagues in, in English football. So like the actual leagues that we're able to watch. So obviously we have the Premier League 24-7 whenever it's on. We have good ch- uh, coverage of the Championship. I'd say not enough coverage of League One and League Two, as as should be the case. I think they're they're just watching on an eye follow, as I I know that Callum Brody, who's been on this pod a few times before, has touched on. He used to pay like ten quid a week to watch his team play week in week out. Um, but in terms of the coverage we're used to, you know, 
Sky used to have La Liga. Now, now it's sort of been relegated to its own channel that less people uh, watch because of the fact they have to pay um, a separate price for it. Syria used to be on BT Sports. It's actually now, which I think is really cool, it's actually um, just on an app, the live score app. You can watch any game on it now for free, which I think is really cool. Um, but again, the fact that it's not on an actual TV channel, even if it would be behind a paywall at BT, might slightly restrict the viewers for it. Um, and yeah, BT has the Bundesliga league on, which which is good, which is great. It's there there to be watched if you have if you have if you have that. Um, but I think like if you compare it to say the US, they can literally watch any game they want. Like even if it you know even if it's say the three pm kickoffs in here, they can they have the choice to watch whatever game they want at all. Whether it's from England, whether it's from Germany, France, Spain, Italy, etc. Um, that was my point about red zone. But then the issue yeah. again is, you know, or stand up the lower leagues, and then the, then you have the assertion from the FA that everyone will stay at home if you have a three pm red zone. Which I don't know if that's the case or not. A three pm Premier League red zone. I mean, I everyone's know. staying at home right now, aren't they? So no, no, in, in normal in normal times. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Game, right. Of course. So the allegation from the FA, the reason why we don't have a red zone, the reason why you can't broadcast three pm games in the UK is that, oh, it stops people from going to games and watching their local club. I mean, I don't know if that's the case. I haven't seen any data on it. But Lawrence, which, 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 to be yeah. clear, is BS, right? Because as Callum has articulated so well, it's just the, the experience on match day is completely different to the experience at home, as it should be. Um, I, I don't really buy that argument at all. Uh, um, Lawrence, let's, I'll bring you in now to talk about, if you want, the uh, kind of newer forms of... of um consumption just because we've kind of slated a lot of the um traditional media um and i know that you're a big podcast fan independent of this one so yeah what are your thoughts on those well well me and arjun have have discussed our mutual love of of podcasts and as i said as i've gotten older they have become more attractive to me as a way of consuming football um we'll get on to youtube which is an entirely different beast but podcasts themselves uh, for me, provide an avenue. Firstly, because I think that the, as Arjun has outlined so well, the the panelists on them are just much more articulate and much more in the know than post match analysis jockeys. And I think that people, for example, my my favorite podcast right now is the Football Ramble. Um, they deliver fantastic analysis. They uh, the they have games on there that are really exciting to play. I love I love trivia. I love football trivia, and um, just like every episode, there's a daily episode which is which is about an hour long, and it's a perfect way of of basically summarizing the the week of football, and is much more enjoyable than watching Paul's goal sh- chat shit for like twenty minutes. But do you acknowledge though, as I said before, that that's good for you as a kind of hardcore hardcore fan into the deep technical detail of the game, and it wouldn't really be suitable and obviously the audience isn't the same for tv so they're not trying to do the same thing so it's not maybe not fair to make the comparison well i think when you're talking about accessibility i don't think there's any real barriers it's not like these people are like like upper class people you can't like like oh just not it it's very easy to consume their content their analysis is easy to follow they're not speaking in a different language they're not speaking in in riddled terms they're just delivering football how they they see it and um i think the problem is not necessarily that you have to be a hardcore fan to be able to consume it it's the fact that there's not the same uh, awareness or availability podcasts aren't fashionable as fashionable as 
as TV, as Sky Sports. So um, I would encourage any, anybody listening to this now or any, any football fan in general to consume as many podcasts as possible. Um, if you're going to just ignore the 15 minutes after the game, why don't you just listen to, uh, you know, Football Ramble, Guardian Football Weekly or the Sunday Sub, really? Yeah, I mean, for me, so the, I listen to two main ones. So the Guardian Football Weekly, which is like the, the, the OG granddaddy of uh, football podcasts. So it started in 2006, I think, um, for the World Cup. They were literally reporting like a closet in one of the offices there and it like hosted by James Richardson. It sort of just grew from there. Um, yeah, it's going on like 15 years later. I think, um, yeah, I've, been, I've literally listened to like pretty much every show they put out since I think 2012. And I even used to, when I was younger, I, used, I, I tried to like listen to all the back issues, back, back podcasts as well from before I started listening, but I, I stopped that. But um, yeah, they're, they're really good. Um, the Totally Football Show is excellent as well. Um, that's three years old. That's now hosted by James Richardson. And like, as I said, for all, all the sort of um, journalists that I mentioned before, like um, James Horncastle, Michael Cox, Jonathan Wilson, Rafa Honigstein, etc., they all sort of appear on both these podcasts. I'd also suggest listening to Zonal Marking, which is um, hosted by Michael Cox um, from The Athletic. That's like perhaps a more highbrow sort of um, podcast series each week about like, tactical analysis. And yeah, it's much more in-depth. Yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot of the athletic ones, um, like the Red Agenda for Liverpool, um, and yeah, the 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 Ornstein, his his general podcast is always is always quite good. But again, like I, I want to keep like saying this, but I just don't think it's like. Although I think it's a valid point to say, if you want more detail and better analysis, go to podcasts. But then at the same time, I don't think it's fair to detract from TV at the same time. Like I still just want to maintain. I don't know. I don't know if you guys just. I know Lawrence probably disagrees, but. I just don't think it's fair to make the comparison between yeah. podcast and TV analysis. Like, I think their functions are, the, are completely different. And I think their audiences are actually completely different as well. Or at least at least the podcast audience is a, is a particularly uh, niche subset of the TV audience, which is much, much larger for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, can't I would say podcasts are like a nice compliment for the weekend. Um, like I, yeah, I mean... Moving on from that, from them podcasts, and you guys are given a comprehensive list. Although although none of them are as good as this one, um, what other newer forms of football media um, are people consuming? Well, I mean, um, YouTube over the past few years, uh, football oriented YouTube channels have really blown up. The the most famous example is obviously Arsenal Fan TV. Um, and if you're not looking for intense analysis of, of <laughs> Arsenal performances, it's not where you go. But um, what you do get is, is passion, I think. Um, and a lot of people go to Arsenal Fan TV to, to laugh at Arsenal fans. Uh, I can't pretend that I haven't done that. Um, but I think what people really love about shows like that and obviously the United Stand and Mark Goldbridge... Redmond TV... Yeah, is, is, is that you get, you know, in in air quotes, real fans uh, pushing their passionate views, which um, no doubt get views because they get angry and passionate. But mm, it's something that we don't see in mainstream TV because you can't just go out on on Sky Sports and just shout like, fuck off, and, right? Like, uh, so get out of my club. It's, it's a really different sort of media, but I think it is... Well, it's definitely entertaining. 
don't know whether it's necessary in football, but yeah. I, yeah, no, I would say it's valuable. I think it, it gives like good insight into what like the match-going audience, the match-going fans think about their club rather than just like ex-pundits and people sort of take watching it from like the backseat, if that makes sense. I, I, I find watch definitely as do, as do we all we all you all get atta- um, attracted to the clickbait titles and the trending videos on youtube about um you know troops or dt melting melt having a meltdown about urzil or lacazette or whatever you know it's oh, funny DT right said, dt said the other day that he thought that willie will i am from the black eyed peas would be better than willie Ann at arsenal and that maybe crease for about 15 minutes <laughs> yeah but like, I mean, they generally are interesting to watch because you just get an insight into what, yeah, what the match-going fans think about their club um, and the ups and downs of them. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely take them with a pinch of salt, to be honest, because obviously it's not exactly highbrow analysis there. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. like watching, like, it's an interesting point of comparison to, to wrap up, to kind of reconcile the two areas we've been speaking about. I like listening to the Red, Red Agenda, which is like, you know, James uh, Pierce and... and Simon Hughes, like really, really good athletic journalists, like Liverpool experts, their podcast, which is, as Lawrence says, you know, has all the benefits of deep tactical analysis and really deep insights into what's actually going on behind the scenes at the club. And then I like watching the Red Men TV pod, watching them on YouTube or listening to their podcast after, which is fundamentally a lot more emotional. It's a lot more kind of fan feeling after this game. There are people messaging in and discussing how they're feeling and their interpretation. They they don't know much more than you or I do about what's happening inside the club, but it's always nice to then, especially after you know big win or even a shocking loss. Like I actually listened to a lot of their stuff after we lost seven seven two to Villa, about how people were reacting and how other fans are reacting because you know you're you're a community of fans, right? And that's that that serves a different purpose to the uh, red agenda, which is a lot more journalistic and professional, obviously. Yeah, Lawrence. Yeah, so. What you get with these YouTube channels is, is passion, as I said. What you get from longer form podcasts, like, as you said, Redman TV, is that nuance, that in-depth analysis. And and the real crux of our criticisms today have been that what you get from uh, Ashley Cole is neither. <laughs> no, he's good. I like Ashley Cole. He's quite uh, a good. Okay, he's quite okay. Good. As, as a, as, okay, fine. Owen Hargreaves then. Like, you, you don't get any of the two things that you're looking for in your football coverage really throw me if i'm wrong yeah you you're literally getting like you might as well be talking to your dad about like you know down after a few points like about what he thinks about the game like you get the same sort of analysis there i just don't think it's that good i mean i think i think our final section of the pod should just be then on on um i think radio is the one main other main medium that we haven't spoken about and i think I really, really enjoy 606. I always listen to it on, um, you know, it's part of my like my routine on like a Saturday evening before I have dinner. If I'm at home with my parents, I just listen to 606 and then I go and have dinner. Um, or if I'm at uni, you know, the same. Um, 606, if you guys don't know, is is the like five live phone in uh, after the after um, three o'clock kickoffs on a, on a Saturday. And they have a Sunday edition as well. And often it's like quite good chat, like fans phone in. It's often actually quite a good mix between the two mediums you just spoke about, so the YouTube and the long-form podcast, because you have fans phoning in and giving you the kind of YouTube fun, passionate analysis, and then you have like Chris Sutton, who I think is actually quite good, and sometimes Ian Wright, um, who offers some other insights. I don't know. I know Arjun doesn't particularly like Chris Sutton, but I actually think he he is quite good at trolling people, and he can offer some quite good quite good analysis. I think when everyone was slating. 
Klopp for not winning a trophy about two years ago. I think he was one of the only um, pundits on BBC I saw that were like recognising the long trends that Liverpool were going on after losing the Champions League final. So I respected him for that from a partisan point of view. But yeah, no, I, I enjoy radio shows like that. I listen, I enjoy radio commentary actually quite a lot, uh, sometimes a lot more than TV commentary. Um, similarly also with, you know, with cricket actually on another note, like I enjoy TMS a lot more than Sky. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of my views on radio. Arjun, I, don't, I wonder where you stand on that. Yeah, so up till I think 2017, I didn't have Sky um, Sports. Um, so for a lot of... Um, games I used to well for Chelsea games I used to obviously find other ways of watching them but for other games I used to purely listen to the radio and that was my main main form of following the game and I generally enjoyed it because it's obviously much more descriptive it's more colorful more you know in-depth description of what's happening and yeah it's very enjoyable I used to listen to six and six a lot as well I that used to be part of my routine I don't anymore because well I don't know why I, w- I wouldn't say grew out of it because that would be a bit offensive to you if you still listen to it but I just <laughs> Um, other ways of sort of gauging the post-match reaction that often used to be just like looking at reading like message boards instead or, or perhaps listening to podcasts where you get more perhaps in-depth analysis mm-hmm. but yeah that definitely serves a purpose I think six and six it's interesting to see like often like the calls in for fans who've, who've just been to the game themselves and they're calling in you know from the drive home also whatever. you know their their lower league coverage is often brilliant actually on yeah six six. they make a concerted effort to talk to league two league one fans and I think that's really admirable um mm-hmm. Because they they obviously have large swathes on the Premier League, and you have a load of Liverpool, Manchester United fans phoning in, but they have substantial. They they make a genuine from from you know genuine fans that have just been to a lower league match and get their reactions, which I think is really cool. Um, Lawrence, your thoughts on radio coverage and maybe how it's changing? Yeah, I I do listen to Six or Six on occasion because they do convert their radio into a podcast, which is yes. quite nice, quite accessible. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with your point on radio commentary. As, as we said, TV commentary often sounds tired and lazy. Like, just, it, they don't seem that interested in the game. Whereas, obviously, with radio, because you can't see the action unfolding, they have to be a lot more descriptive. They have to be a lot more passionate. And it does give me goosebumps whenever you hear, like, the crowd, like, shouting in the background. I mean, this is obviously pre-lockdown yeah. days. Um, like, just in the car, listening to the... To the game which i mean it does give me some great memories um yeah there's a lot to be there's a lot to criticize about um the current state of play at tv especially when you consider the fact that presentation if you only consider the presentation it's gotten a lot better right you get a lot of stats you get a lot of like fan interactions during the game which could be quite interesting but it's just a shame that um aside of the all the pretty graphics and things the commentary seems to be losing in in content yeah these ways do you guys see radio perhaps changing or improving Arjun? um i see similar to television i see it sort of getting a bit more dumbed down um and like you know more trivialized i know it's a bit depressing viewpoint but i think like six or six will get sort of more clickbaity in its titles perhaps um sorry in, in its coverage and perhaps more sort of um, dismissive slash not cover the, the lower leagues at all because I see I think that sadly that's the way football's going where it's the big clubs or bust if that makes sense. Um, but to be honest, as as someone who doesn't listen to too much radio coverage in the first place, I I don't feel like I can comment uh, properly on like where I see it's going, seeing as I don't really know where it is right now. Mm. Lawrence, yeah, I just thought of a 
of a nice way to kind of wrap this up with we're talking about the contrast between podcasts and tv and radio um is that you know oh jonathan wilson um was commenting on the on the fact that united seem like a yo-yo team in that they two for like a week they they look amazing then the next week they look shit and all of the pundits kind of follow that little trend. I'm pretty sure Rio Ferdinand swapped his views like five times <laughs> in that period between being PSG and losing to Arsenal. And Jonathan Wilson in the podcast was like, no, I haven't changed my view at all. This hasn't been an inconsistent United in the fact that uh, he's always maintained in a nuanced way, Jonathan Wilson, that Oli can set up a team to defend against the big teams, but can't break down the smaller teams. Yeah. And that's the, it's just one example of, of the nuance that is lost when Rio Ferdinand goes, Oli's at the wheel, and then the next week he goes, the players aren't playing for him anymore. And yeah. um, I, mean, I mean, like, yeah, it's just the quality of analysis on the inside, as you say. But I mean, like, it's really amusing to look at the, the I don't want to keep shitting on him, but the, the, you do the compare and contrast of two headlines within three weeks of each other or for yeah. BBC for Jermaine Genus. It's just so amusing. Like he was like Ole in, Ole out, and then it's like, oh, it's just, oh. And I, don't, I genuinely don't understand how with integrity the BBC can just publish such kind of inconsistent bollocks half the time, um, to be frank. But that's why, I, I mean, what we haven't mentioned, but probably do it on another port, is just about newspapers as well. That's where I, you know, Arjun's a fan of The Athletic, I know. So when I, I do a lot of football reading, whereas you guys probably do more listening, um, I, I read The Athletic when I can. Um, I read The Times um, uh, sports pages. And a lot of them are actually, for similar reasons why journalists are good on podcasts, are actually quite good on there as well. For some of the analysis you get, written analysis is sometimes quite good. But yeah, no, thank you to both of you. Arjun, do you have anything else to add? Um, no, not particularly. Um, I'm looking forward to the international break. Not. Um, <laughs> there's like probably about three or four games that I will perhaps look out for. Uh, but not watch. Those are like the playoffs for the Euros next summer. Next summer, I know like Scotland have a chance to qualify, and so do Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, but beyond that, no, not at all. Can't wait for domestic football to come up, come back. Mm. Yeah, Lawrence. Yeah, I really in- enjoyed this pod. We we often rant about shitty coverage in our in our football chat as as much as we rant about most things. And then when you suggested a pod, Arjun, on the on the matter, I was thinking, you know, how do I articulate all of my views and i think this ended up quite well actually um yeah it was very enjoyable Fair enough. yeah thank you to both of you and i hope you guys enjoyed listening to that quite meandering discussion but um, we covered a lot and um, i think we made our views quite clear actually most of it but yeah no thank you for listening and uh, see you next time on you on your podcast with kids for maybe a history um pod or maybe another pod about wider trends in the game but thank you so much cheers Symposium with Ash Orlack.